This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut, the 18th day of June 2021. Welcome to a TGIF wake up call here on Sports Country Radio. Plenty to talk about this morning. Uh, it was a, uh, a golf fest uh, here in Middletown yesterday as the uh, U.S. Open on pretty much all day and all night. Uh, we've got Sam Dossler of the uh, Connecticut State uh, golf association coming on with us at nine thirty to talk about that. Uh, they're in their middle of their amateur championship, but he's going to take a few minutes to talk about to us this morning. So appreciate that. So you want to stay tuned for that before I came on, uh, just before I came on the air this morning, I was strolling through my Twitter feed and I, I saw something and this is just a complete non sequitur has nothing to do with sports, but it was something that just stunned me in May the average rent around the United States. Now, this is the average rent, okay? $1,527 a month. You know, and we're bitching about whether or not somebody should get $15 an hour for minimum wage. You know, and, and what, $15 an hour means you're going to make $600 a week. And then after taxes, if you're lucky, you bring home, you know, $500 a week. In a month, uh, you know, so that's what, two grand. The average rent is $1,527 a month. Think about that for a minute. And and that's just the average. How, if you live, for instance, if you want to live in the Boston area, do you know what the average rent is in Boston? $2,400 a month. And I can only imagine what it is in New York City. Just, But it's staggering. And, you know, it's when we, when we want to talk about the, um, the, the, and I'm not, believe me, I, you know, I'm going to sound like a socialist when I say this. I'm not a, I'm not in favor of socialism, but when we talk about a disparity of wealth in this country, when we have people working, you know, at your local grocery store or, uh, you know, your local convenience store or at McDonald's or whatever, and they're making 10, 10, 11, 12 bucks an hour, right? Well, you know, depending on where you live in the country and the average rent is that high, it's, uh, it's it's hard to fathom how anybody survives, you know, making that kind of money. So anyway, had nothing to do with anything, but I just I saw that and I was like, whoa. Um, before we get to uh, some other things around uh, the national sports scene, just a uh, a local note: Porky Vieira, Frank Vieira, who is a longtime coach, uh, baseball coach at the University of New Haven. He was the coach there for forty four years, uh, had over eleven hundred victories between 1963 and 2006. Uh, took 15 teams to the Division II World Series uh, and as a colorful a character as you ever want to meet. Uh, Porky's path and mine have crossed numerous times over the years. And uh, uh, little guy, about five, six, little Italian guy from Bridgeport, uh, played high, uh, college basketball 
at Quinnipiac. Now think about this. He was five foot six, played college basketball, you know, back in the the sixties in Quinnipiac. He holds the Quinnipiac scoring record still. During his career at Quinnipiac, he scored twenty seven hundred and thirty one points. This is a guy that was five foot six and he scored twenty seven hundred and thirty one points before the three point shot. Think about that. There was no three-point shot back then. He averaged 31.8 points a game for his career at Quinnipiac. So then he becomes the baseball coach at uh, at New Haven right after that and just uh, is just a local legend. Uh, a guy, by the way, was also a basketball official. As a matter of fact, he coached uh, or uh, officiated some of the games that I coached. He, he teed me up a couple of times. Uh, he was one of the first... Uh, Big East referees. When the Big East first got started, Porky was one of their referees. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, (laughs) had uh, plenty of conversations with guys like Jim Calhoun and uh, and, uh, 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 Jim Behive from Syracuse and Lou Carnesecca. And, I mean, you know, uh, John Thompson uh, officiated for, oh, God, I don't know, forever. And it uh, wasn't a bad official. Did have a bit of a short fuse, <laughs> but really nice guy. Uh, you know, used to do, he used to probably do 100 games a year. So uh, anyway, but he is going into the National College Baseball Hall of Fame, and it's about time. You know, this is a guy that uh, people know all over the country because of the accomplishments he had, and finally, uh, they're putting it into Hall of Fame, which is good. And and he joked about it. He said, I think they were worried about giving me the uh, <laughs> the honor when I was already in the ground. So, uh, and look, he uh, uh, sent from a Division II program 10 players to the majors. Steve Bedrosian, um, longtime major leaguer, pitched for the Braves and a couple other teams, uh, played for Porky Vieira. A uh, good friend of mine, Joe Tonelli, was one of his assistant coaches. Joe and I go back a long way. And uh, uh, Porky always admitted that I wasn't a great recruiter, you know. So he had guys like, uh, you know, J- Joe Tonelli going out and doing it for him. And uh, But 75 players played professionally. Ten of them went to the major leagues, and he's going to the uh, National College Baseball Hall of Fame. So congratulations to Porky Vieira. Great story if you're interested. Uh, it's in the Middletown Press this morning. I think it's also in the New Haven Register. Mike Anthony. Uh, great story. So uh, it's it's well worth a read, and 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 it'll give you uh, the story. Will give you a real sense of the kind of character uh, that Porky Vieira is. Uh, <laughs> likes uh, he can swear with the best of them. Although it's funny, he swears, but he'll never use the f word. At least, well, I shouldn't say never. I never heard him use the f word. You know, but he uh, he does like to swear. So anyway, his uh, Mike Anthony story is very very good. So check it out. Um, baseball news. And uh, we talked about this at length yesterday. Jacob DeGrom got an MRI on his shoulder. Of course, he left after the game the other night through three perfect innings. He struck out eight of the nine guys he faced, but left with some shoulder soreness. So he had an MRI done yesterday. The good news for the Mets is that it came out clean. They said that the pictures showed a normal shoulder. So they're not concerned that there's any damage in there. Uh, Luis Rojas, the manager said, look, we're going to take it day by day. Um, you know, he said, we're not going to, we're not thinking about putting him on the IL and, you know, you go further into this and basically what it is is Jacob deGrom doesn't want to go on the IL. He did before he said, because he thought there might be some mechanical issues and he, you know, he wanted to work through that. 
you know, when he had the issue with the side and then the elbow. You know, but here's the thing if you're the Mets that you have to be concerned about. These are three injuries now that DeGrom has had, and the Mets and the doctors say that they are not related. Uh, you know, that one thing did not lead to the other, but, you know, the elbow, the shoulder, the the side, you know, it's great that there's no damage, but at the same time, you know, this is a guy that you need on the mound, and this is a guy that is the best pitcher in baseball right now, hands down, period, the end. There's no debate. You know, an 0.54 ERA and, you know, 111 strikeouts and just eight walks. It's just ridiculous. And the two losses he has, by the way, are, are games where his team didn't score many runs. But as I said the other day, if you are the Mets, I don't care whether Jacob DeGrom wants to go on the IL or not. And maybe you don't put him on the IL, you know, just for, you know, the sake of uh, harmony with Jacob DeGrom. But I still think if you are the Mets, you have to skip his next turn. Don't you? You have to protect this guy. You need him pitching in August and September. You know, it's great that he's pitching as well as he is now, but in the grand scheme of things, it means nothing. You know, the Mets have played 61 games. They have 100 games left. And they've got a a four-and-a-half game lead in the National League East. They've got enough pitching that they can cobble together missing one of his starts and figure out a way uh, to get through this, and they'll be fine. You know, and look, you've, you've got a very talented Atlanta Braves team on their heels. You know, uh, Phillies, you know, playing better. Uh, the Nationals are even playing better. So, you know, they can't, you know, just shut them down indefinitely, but missing a start would not be a bad thing. You know, and the other part of this is DeGrom actually – said that the doctors think that his latest one of his latest physical issues was because of him swinging the bat. And Jacob deGrom has been a terror with the bat as well as with his arm. I mean, he's hitting, and I know it's a small sample size for a pitcher, but he's hitting 423 with six runs batted in this year. You know, I mean, and it's it's, you know, it's great, but, you know, we have other pitchers that go up there and don't really give it an effort. They stand there and, and you know, take three strikes and go sit down. And this is going, if, if indeed it is swing-related, this is going to add more fuel to the fire about why we don't have a universal DH, you know, and, and until Major League Baseball decides that they're finally going to do that, this argument is going to continue. You know, uh, DeGrom obviously likes swinging the bat. <laughs> and it's obviously pretty good at it. Uh, but anyway, so if you're the Mets, you got to shut him down. Whether he wants to or not, shut him down. It's one start. You know, we're not putting you on the IL for a month. You know, and, and I know that, you know, by missing one start, it's essentially like an IL stint because, you know, you pitch every five days. So he's essentially going to go 10 days without playing. But how, how, you know, the rest is a good idea. Look, he's 33 years old as well. You know, it's not like he's a 22-year-old kid. So as you get older, it takes longer to heal. So whatever's going on, maybe it's just some tendonitis if the, the images come back clean. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's tendonitis, but shut them down. We'll see what they do, but I think it's a mistake if they don't. Uh, and as far as the Mets last night, they, they lost. 
Uh, they lost to the Chicago Cubs yesterday 2 to nothing. Marcus Stroman pitched really well for the Mets, only allowed uh, four hits and two runs in seven innings, but the Mets could do absolutely nothing off of Kyle Hendricks and the Chicago bullpen. Hendricks pitched six shutout innings, allowed just two hits, struck out seven. Um, and then Andrew Chafin, Ryan Tapera, Craig Kimbrell finished it off. Uh, Kimbrell picked up his uh, Major League leading 19th save yesterday. Boy, what a turnaround for him. This is a guy that uh, everybody thought was done, right? I mean, even with the Red Sox, uh, his last time, you know, his last year with the Red Sox, he was brutal, you know, to the point where uh, they weren't pitching him uh, in the World Series in, in big spots because he couldn't get anybody out. And now all of a sudden, what a turn. Even last year with the Cubs, uh, the last two years with the Cubs, actually, he was awful. Uh, in 2020 with the Cubs, he had an ERA of over five. You know, in 2019 with the Cubs, he had an ERA over six. You know, I mean, so, uh, but what a bounce back year has been for him. His ERA is under one, and uh, he struck out 47 guys in 28 innings, only allowed 10 hits, and he is the Craig Kimbrell that everybody remembers. But, uh, look, the, the story yesterday, though, was Kyle Hendricks. Picked up his ninth victory, and this is a guy yesterday that did not throw one pitch, not one pitch, over 90 miles an hour. Think about that for a minute in this era of everybody chucking the ball 100 miles an hour and where everybody worried about uh, sticky substances on the baseball and, oh, my God, I can't get the speed, I can't get the torque because they won't let me use, you know, whatever it is I was using. You've got a guy in Kyle Hendricks that can go out there and throw 90 miles an hour and get people out. He has the third lowest major league fastball on average of anybody third lowest and yet he is nine and four got an era of around four and it's inflated because he got hammered a couple of times early in the season his era i think in april was like seven uh, but he's nine and four folks and he this guy can't break 90 and and that this if nothing else this is and I look I I understand it, everybody's not going to be this just like everybody wasn't Greg Maddox when Greg Maddox pitched but this is he's a great case study this is a guy that has proven you don't have to throw gas to win you know by throwing junk it works you know and I, I mean I don't want to I call what he throws junk but you know it's it may be junk to major leaguers to me uh, you know. <laughs> I'd be happy if I follow the ball off, uh, you know, so, but he's living proof that you don't have to throw 102 miles an hour to win in the major leagues. This is a guy with a career ERA folks of 3.19. This is a guy who has in his entire career has never had an ERA over four. The highest ERA he ever had was back in 2015 when it was 3.95. Now, right now it's 4.13, but it's coming down. You know, this is a guy that has given up 100 fewer hits than innings pitched in his career. He still, despite not having 100-mile-an-hour gas, has struck out 947 guys in 1,100 innings. So, you, do, you know, so again, folks, you know, you can do it without 100 miles an hour. You can do it without spider tack. You can do it without rosin and sunscreen. He is living proof. 
So anyway, uh, tough loss for the Mets, but uh, again, still have won seven of their last ten. And now the Mets open a big series at Washington starting tonight. Joey Lucchese will get the start for the Mets against Eric Fetty. And as far as the Cubs go, um, they are headed, uh, or actually headed back home, and they will play the uh, Miami Marlins. Zach Davies with his four and three record, four hundred one ERA, will get the start for the Cubs tonight. Um, the Yankees win last night. They come from behind. They were trailing uh, four to three, and John Carlos Stanton took care of that uh, with a go-ahead. Uh, Homer in the seventh inning, a four-run seventh inning. Uh, this is a game that included a one of the strangest triple plays you'll ever see, and uh, it was a triple play simply because the the Jays had the worst base running in the history of base running. I mean, guys just had no idea what they were doing. Uh, Vlad Guerrero was up, right? So he hits uh, this little tapper back to the mound, and then uh, – uh, Marcus Semyon and Bo, uh, Bo Shed, who were on the bases, seemed to have like no idea where they were going. They got the easy out on uh, Guerrero's. King picked it up through the first for the out, and then Lemayhew, you know, sees the guys are are hung up, and and you know, about five throws later, it was a triple play. It was unbelievable. I think it was the second triple play for the Yankees this year. The other one was a five four three around the horn, but uh, so anyway, so John uh, Carlos Stanton getting hot. And uh, with the home run, and the Yankees now 36-32. and 32. Uh, The Rays lost last night, so the Yankees are six back of the Rays, five and a half back of the Red Sox. Red Sox, of course, with the night off last night. Toronto now eight and a half back, and uh, they are fading fast. They have lost four in a row, seven of their last ten, and they just seem uh, completely lost. You know, and again, uh the big question with this team, we knew they had a lot of young stars, and we know Vlad Guerrero Jr. right now might be the MVP um, of the American League. But when you're throwing out T.J. Zoik as your starting pitcher, <laughs> you know you got trouble. So that was a tough one. Uh, as far as the Rays go, as I said, they lost last night in Seattle 6-5. Uh, to five. Two runs for Seattle in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, shed long with an RBI double that tied it. And uh, uh, then Kyle Seeger came off the bench to uh, drive in the winning run. And uh, so the Rays lose 6-5. to five. Now, But still, the Rays, think about this. The Rays are 24-8 and eight in their last 32 games. And of those eight losses, they are a, by a combined, combined 12 runs. Five of the games were by one run. I mean, you know, so the loss last night, you know, Okay, you know, and uh, they, they may be struggling a little bit here of late, but this is still a very, very good team. And, uh, you know, they're not going away. Uh, by the way, the Rays and the Yankees made a trade yesterday. Uh, the uh, Rays acquired Mike Ford from the Yankees. Mike Ford, of course, who took over at first base when Luke Voigt was hurt. And uh, now with uh, Gittins coming up, he, he became superfluous, so they sent him down to the minors. Well, they, the Yankees traded him to the Rays yesterday uh, for $100,000, which in uh, Major League Baseball terms, that's the equivalent of trading somebody for a bag of balls. And, and nothing against Mike Ford. Look, he made a nice splash when he came up. I think he had like 12 home runs in his rookie season or something, but uh, has struggled ever since then. But he gets traded now uh, to 
the Tampa Bay Rays, who immediately sent them to their Triple A team. But he becomes insurance for them. G Man Choi has had some issues staying healthy, so he becomes uh, kind of a safety valve for them if Choi ends up getting hurt again. Uh, the Rays start uh, Michael Waka today. He is going to take Tyler Glass now's spot in the rotation. Waka has not pitched more than three innings uh, since returning from the injured list on May 23rd. Obviously, the Rays are hoping that they, he can give them that today, uh, and he will take on Yusei Kikuchi. Kikuchi uh, is looking more like the pitcher that the uh, Mariners thought they were getting when they signed him out of Japan. He is 3-3 three and three with a 3 6 7 ERA, pitched seven shutout innings uh, in his last game. Uh, some Major League Baseball history made yesterday. Uh, not good history if you are an Arizona Diamondbacks fan, if there are any of those. Uh, the Diamondbacks lost their 23rd straight road game yesterday, falling to the San Francisco Giants 10-3. to So they now hold the record all by themselves. They broke the tie with the 63 Mets and the 43 uh, Philadelphia A's uh, for futility on the road. Just brutal. Uh, overall, the Diamondbacks have still lost 14 straight and 28 of the last 30. They're 30 games under 570 games into the season. I mean, just brutal. At The last time that they won on the road was April 25th when they beat Atlanta, and that was when Madison Bumgarner pitched a seven-inning no-hitter as part of a doubleheader sweep. That is the last time. At the time, the Diamondbacks were 9-8 and eight away from home. And now they are nine and thirty-one. Absolutely brutal. Uh, I mean, I guess the the hope for uh, the Diamondbacks—they may not hold the record for long because the Baltimore Orioles are trying to catch them. The Orioles lost their nineteenth straight road game last night by an identical score. By the way, the Cleveland Indians beat them last night, ten to three. Just absolutely brutal. I mean, again, the Orioles are 22 and 46. They and the uh, Diamondbacks are going to face off to see who can get, have the worst record and get the number one draft pick next year. But, oh my God, you know, I mean, I can't even, and for a franchise, it's even worse. I mean, I get the Diamondbacks. Look, the Diamondbacks have won a World Series. Uh, you know, it's not like they've never won anything. But the Orioles are an historic franchise, a team that has, you know, just a proud franchise. And to see them where they are now is absolutely brutal. Uh, a couple other notes before we uh, get to Sam Doster coming up here in a couple of minutes. Uh, NHL last night, the Lightning beat the New York Islanders last night 2-1 to one to take a two-games-to-one lead in their uh, Stanley Cup series. Uh, Braden Point got the uh, tie-breaking goal late in the second period. Andre Vasilevsky, 27 more saves. And uh, now game four at the Nassau Coliseum on Saturday night, and then Game 5 back in Tampa on Monday. And, of course, the winner of this one will take on um, the winner of the Vegas Knights and the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, the Lightning now 10-1 and when they score first in the postseason. So uh, uh, congratulations to the Lightning. They're looking like uh, the team to beat, in my mind. Uh, NBA last night, the Milwaukee Bucks bounced back after blowing a game the other night. Uh, they beat the Nets 104-89 to to force a Game 7. Chris Middleton, the star for Milwaukee last night, 38 points. Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo with uh, 30 points. And uh, so now Game 7, Saturday night in Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving did not play last night for the Nets. He probably is not going to play 
uh, on Saturday either. Kevin Durant, though, 32 points at 11 rebounds last night, and uh, they're going to have to lean really hard on him and James Harden to get through this thing. As I said, Game 7 in Brooklyn coming up on Saturday night. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Sam Dostler is going to join us to talk about the uh, U.S. Open golf tournament. Uh, round one actually finishing up this morning, and then they'll immediately begin round two. So we'll talk to Sam in just a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Friday morning, and uh, we are pleased to be joined by Sam Dosser of the Connecticut State Golf Association. He is kind enough to give us a few minutes. He's They actually have their amateur championship today, so uh, he is at the Hartford Golf Club joining us for a few minutes. Good morning, Sam. How are you? Morning, Gene. I'm sitting in the uh, ninth fairway at Hartford Golf Club looking at the championship match. Chris Fosdick, Cody Palladino, a rematch of last year's final, and it's a beautiful summer, well, not summer yet, sunny day, late spring day. So, uh, long way of saying I'm good. Yeah, you can't, well, you can't ask for a better day. Temperature's what? No no humidity either for these players, so that's got to be right, a, a, yeah. a beautiful thing. So, let's for get sure. to, uh, not necessarily a, a beautiful weather out in San Diego yesterday. I mean, it was sunny, but the wind was picking up, and uh, the forecast is that the wind is going to get worse on the weekend. You look at the scores, and for a U.S. Open, I was actually kind of surprised they were a little bit more than I expected. Russell Henley leading the way at four under, although Louis Oosthuizen was still with a couple of holes to play uh, today. But, you know, the thing that's not a surprise, it's pretty much a lot of the names you would expect near the top of the leaderboard with Oosthuizen and Kepka and Shoffley and Matsuyama. Uh, so not a lot of surprise there, I, I guess. Uh, maybe the only surprise would be the young kid from the Corn Ferry Tour, Hayden Buckley. How about that with a two under in the first round? Yeah, and, and, you know, Hayden Buckley is a really fascinating story. I was just uh, reading about him before the event started. He made it through a qualifier to get into the U.S. Open, and actually his he had a, a, a child born uh, late last year with a, a and it was it's a it's a long story, but it's the child they were they expected it to be stillborn because it has this very rare disease, and then they didn't expect it to even make it out of the hospital, and then they did make it out of the hospital, and him and his wife didn't buy any sort of baby uh, stuff for their house, and then surgeries have happened at specialized doctors, and, and so he's balancing all of wow. that while also uh, getting a chance to, to play in the U.S. Open. So it's it's really a fantastic fantastic story, and it, it's really one of those uh, stories that kind of sums up the U.S. Open, right? Because there's all the there's the local qualifying, there's the final qualifying, and uh, it's it's open to anyone with a certain handicap that has a chance, you know, is good enough to to make their way through and get into the field. And and right now, Hayden Buckley is is one of those guys, and through 18 holes, he's he's taking advantage of it. You know, one of the things that's one of the things I actually like about the U.S. Open is that you have to. Uh, you know, obviously there's automatic qualifiers, but there's there's some names on the PGA Tour that don't make the U.S. Open because they don't have an, an exemption. And, you know, there's right. guys that you expect to see there and you don't. So it is kind of cool. And it actually, well, kinda, you know, it makes you want to root for guys like that. It, it does. And that's the fascinating thing. There was uh, 
for instance, there was one qualifier out in Ohio, and they had a couple there because uh, the week before the event, well, the the qualifier was on were the qualifiers across the country were on Monday a couple of weeks ago, but uh, they had a couple in Ohio because that's where the PGA Tour was. That's where they had the memorial. And uh, one of the guys to miss out of the one of those those Ohio spots was was a guy by the name of Ricky Fowler. So I mean, that's right. the, that's the type of players that. Uh, can be in those qualifiers that specific qualifier it was you know you run down the list and it, it looked like a thursday tee sheet on the, on the pga tour um well brooks kepka with a a good first round i don't want to get into the i'm tired of talking or hearing about the feud that he has supposedly with bryson DeChambeau. so fortunately we didn't have to deal a lot with that yesterday but kepka with another strong first round this is a guy that 11 of his last 14 rounds at the U.S. Open have been in the 60s. I mean, he is just, when it comes to the U.S. Open and majors in general, this guy is a machine. It's really bizarre, isn't it? Right? Yeah. He, missed the, he missed the cut last week. We talked about how, you know, he's just not, he can't get his focus at these types of the, the regular tour events. Right. You turn on those bright lights <laughs> of a major week and it is, he's just a, a totally different guy. And, um, he, he's a fascinating study. It's it's like he's coming to he's coming to Cromwell next week for the Travelers, and you know, you you, you wouldn't be surprised if he won this week and then came out here and then said, eh, whatever, I'm going <laughs> home for the weekend. So, right. You know, I'll fulfill my commitment, play a couple of days, and then, uh, you know, jet home after after his Friday round. It's he, he's bizarre in, in that. I mean, he was he was right there with Mickelson with a chance to win a month ago at the PGA championship. And, and he's also dealing with, uh, you know, health issues with his knee. And uh, so he, there's just a lot going on, but whenever those bright lights turn on, he finds a way to, to, to put himself in the mix. Well, you mentioned him and uh, any hopes that anybody had of Phil Mickelson uh, finding lightning in a bottle and uh, completing that career grand slam and winning the U S open, I think went out the window with a four over par uh, yesterday, a couple of really kind of sloppy bogeys um, in his last two holes made it look actually made it look worse than it really was. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. He, he won at the PGA Championship. He's no one fifty-one. Was anything? He's fifty. You know, <laughs> you, you know, you just weren't expecting much this week. I right. know some people are talking about him, and I saw some headline about how he was some sort of betting favorite, but. I would have put more money on him missing the cut oh, than yeah. than uh, than than being in the top twenty-five. Even I mean, and, and you know from when we talked after the PGA Championship that I'm a I'm a big Phil Mickelson guy. But let, let's be real here. You know, it's, it, he gave us a great a great four days last month at Kiowa. Could he catch lightning in the bottle again at the right course at the Masters at an Open Championship course? Sure, but uh, on a U.S. Open course, you know, I, I don't think so. And like you said, it, it, the course is only going to get tougher. It's going to get more difficult as the week goes on. Not uncommon to see under par scores here uh, early in a U.S. Open, but if the wind picks up and uh, it, it's just going to be really difficult. Tory Pines actually a few years ago in Brant Snedeker won more than a few years ago now, but they had to stop play on a Sunday because the winds were so hard. Right. Snedeker Remember that. had gone out way before before the wind. As someone honks their horn as the players continue. Not oh, sure that was they love about. that. Love that. <laughs> 
it was a member here at the club. Anyways, um, <laughs> great. Um, you know, so it, it can it can play a play a factor in it. Well, one of the other uh, big names and a guy that people are expecting a lot of, and a guy that you kind of kind of root for a little bit because of the way uh, uh, he kind of had to leave a tournament the other a uh, couple of weeks ago. John Rahm, uh, two under par. He still got a hole to play, I think, uh, in the second round. Didn't get to or in the first round. Didn't get to finish. But uh, John Rahm with a solid two under uh, in his first round. Yeah, and he's a guy who's won there before. Right. I believe it was his first PGA Tour win. Feel bad for Gina. I don't know. For me personally, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> um, okay. You know, I, I, I feel like uh, I feel bad for him for the way that the PGA Tour handled, handled it. the yeah. situation yeah. as far as, uh, you know, I don't want anyone to get sick and test positive for COVID, but my, my stance on that is, he had ample time to, to get tested and to avoid it, or to get uh, vaccinated Agreed. and avoid it. I, you know what? I, I say that every day on the show. Get the damn shot. There's no reason not to. But Yeah, um, for sure. And a local guy that everybody is probably rooting for out there, Xander Shoffley, who is from the San Diego area. Uh, a, a solid round for him with a, with a 200 par as well. Yeah, he was my pick coming in. Local guy uh, is always in the mix at, at these events, and it, it feels like just only a matter of time before he breaks through. I mean, he... Uh, Really, he quietly all of a sudden put himself in the mix at the Masters back in April, and then he uh, left the tee shot short on 16 and found the water after getting within one of Matsuyama. So he's a guy who can win an event on any given week and certainly win a major any given week. I I really like his chances this week. He he was the guy that I I picked heading into into the tournament. Uh, a couple other things. Which we, I only got a minute or two, so uh, let's. Uh, I want to run a couple of names by you. How about Matthew Wolf yesterday? Eight birdies, eight birdies on his card in the U.S. Open, which is frankly phenomenal. But his his scorecard looked like a train wreck. I mean, it, he. I don't. Did he have a par all day? I'm not sure. He he's had quite the interesting Ooh, year, hasn't he? Yeah. Between, uh, the, between pulling out of tournaments, injuries, is he struggling with some stuff off the course? Uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to, because I think he shot an 83 earlier in the year or, or something along the line, something in the eighties and pulled out of a, pulled out of an event. Um, it seems like too many others on that scorecard right. to, to keep it going <laughs> for him. Absolutely nuts. And to me, uh, the biggest disappointment of the tournament so far, Jordan Spieth, a guy who had been playing well. And, you know, look, with the exception of one year, he has a history of struggling a little bit in the U.S. Opens anyway. But a 60, I mean, a 77 yesterday, six over par. And, you know, Jordan Spieth's U.S. Open, unless he does something remarkable today, is already over before it started. Yeah, yeah, he he did the Rory McIlroy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who actually played pretty well. He did. Today. But uh, for for Spieth, it's it's one of those things. He's he's a guy who does hit a little hit a little wayward off the tee at times, and, and as we know, the rough at the U.S. Open is never easy. It was and uh, the the rough yesterday around the greens. Oh my goodness! Right, for sure, around the greens, and then you mentioned the wind. So if you're hitting the ball offline, you're going to struggle and. Uh, Spieth does have the tendency to do that, and, and also, no matter how good you're playing, it's 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 golf, you know. Right. It's, one day it could just go completely haywire on you. That's the beauty of the game. Well, if the wind does pick up, the guy that's going to be fascinating to watch, and he struggled a little bit in the first round when the winds weren't too high, and that's Bryson DeChambeau, uh, because as hard as he hits the ball, he's going to try to hit it through that wind. And he, I think, he was what two over yesterday. 
if the conditions get worse today, I don't know how successful he's going to be trying to uh, to hit it like he does into that nasty wind that you can get at Torrey Pines. Yeah, it, it does kind of neutralize the distance, it does. especially if the wind is, uh, is, is working against you. Uh, I know he was trying to bring it back late in his round, but the, the thing about the, the wind, if, if you can put together a, a decent round and those scores start to come down, uh, all of a sudden those those two overs, even I got you know you mentioned the four overs, if you can put together a decent round and, and the scores come down, you, you never know who, who's going to be in it, who's going to struggle at it at any given point. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of effect that the, the weather has on on guys does it affect certain guys that, that go off at certain times? Is one draw better than the other? So it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out. Well, Sam, I'm going to let you get back to uh, your duties there uh, in Hartford. So uh, I appreciate a few minutes. We're going to get you on next week uh, just prior to the start of uh, the Travelers so we can talk about that as well and kind of put a wrap on the U.S. Open. But uh, good luck today, and thanks for a few minutes this morning. Sounds like a plan, Gene. Thanks All right. so much. Sam Doster. It's 46 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Friday morning, a few minutes to go before uh, we get out of here to start the weekend uh, going to be a great day to spend some time outside, unless, of course, you're in the southwest where the temperatures continue to be absolutely brutal. Uh, a few more things uh, going on in Major League Baseball last night. How about maybe the hottest hitter on the planet right now uh, might be Jose Altuve. Altuve with his fourth home run in the last three games, and the Houston Astros absolutely destroyed the Chicago White Sox yesterday, 10-2. to Dylan Cease got roughed up. Uh, couldn't get out of the fourth inning. Jose Urquidy, seven strong innings for Houston, allowed just four hits and two runs, struck out five. Uh, in addition to uh, Altuve's homers, by the way, his 16th of the season, he's now hitting 298. Uh, Michael Brantley hit his fourth, uh, and they also got a home run from Abraham Toro, his first of the season. Uh, Urquidy picked up his fifth win of the season, and they held that very good Chicago White Sox team to just four hits. Uh, Chicago scored a couple of uh, consolation runs at the top of the sixth inning, uh, but they were already trailing 7 nothing by that time. So a, a good win uh, for the Houston Astros as uh, they try to keep pace with the Oakland Athletics. They are now two back. Uh, the Astros have won four in a row and uh, eight of their last ten, and uh, they will take uh, on Chicago again today. Luis Garcia with that 5-4 and four record, but a very stingy 2.9 ER8. Uh, 2.98 ERA, I should say, will take on Carlos Rodon tonight, who has been uh, nasty for Chicago, a 1.89 ERA and a 6-2 and two meeting. 6-2 uh, meeting, 6-2 and two record. Boy, I'm out of it this morning. Uh, and by the way, I hadn't thought about this, but uh, and I saw the note in the Associated Press story, so I can't take credit for it, but uh, this was the meeting of uh, Tony La Russa and Dusty Baker. And it is the first that was last night was the first Major League Baseball game with two managers who were 70 or older uh, since 2006, when Felipe Alou was coaching uh, in San Francisco, and Frank Robinson, who was 70, was in Washington. Uh, so uh, a combined 148 years old between the two managers uh, in last night's game. Um, a game that everybody had their well, not, I shouldn't say everybody had their eyes on because unless you wanted to watch YouTube, you couldn't watch the game last night. The Angels beat the Detroit Tigers last night, seven to five. Shohei Otani got the start for the Angels, 
and threw six solid innings. One run, five hits, struck out five, walk one, picked up his third win of the season, uh, lowered his ERA to 2.70, uh, and uh, you don't often see the pitcher in the number two slot in the lineup, but that's where he was yesterday. Uh, went 0 for 1, but he did walk twice. Uh, so he is hitting 270 at the plate and has a 270 ERA. Talk about some symmetry there. Uh, but uh, the Angels with the victory over the Tigers. You know, look, the Angels are trying to stay relevant, but they are still eight and a half back uh, of Oakland, and actually they're still two back or tied now with the uh, Seattle Mariners. Um, but uh, they've got a long way to go, but the Angels playing much better lately. They have won seven of their last ten. Uh, Alex Cobb is going to get the start for the Angels tonight. Uh, Jose Urania will get the start for the Detroit Tigers, who have now uh, uh, played 500 baseball over their last uh, 14 games and sit 14 games behind the, in the AL Central leading Chicago White Sox. Uh, a couple other games from last night, the Padres, uh, picked up a victory. They beat the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds had been one of the hottest teams in baseball. Uh, I think they had won six in a row, uh, but San Diego cooled them off last night. Look, the Padres uh, needed that win badly. Uh, they're still seven games over five hundred, but uh, uh, they had lost seven of their previous ten games. And, uh, you know, going into this one last night, you thought they might be in trouble. Um, but the bats got it done for them, and uh, Joe Musgrove, seven shutout innings on the hill he of the earlier season no hitter uh, he allowed just four hits over those seven innings Wade Miley pitched well for Cincinnati another guy who throws a lot of junk uh, four hits two runs struck out five did not factor in the decision as uh, uh, Victor Caratini and Eric Hosmer with ninth inning home runs by the way what a wild you know what a wild finish to this game San Diego led this game two nothing going into the ninth inning uh, Cincinnati scored four times in the uh, top of the ninth inning, uh, and then San Diego comes back with four in the bottom of the inning to win this thing. So Cincinnati now is 35-32. and 32. They are three back of the Cubs and two back of the Milwaukee Brewers who sit in second place in the NL Central. Uh, the only other game yesterday I, th- I think that we have not touched on uh, was the Atlanta game. The Braves beat the Cardinals yesterday, four to nothing. Uh, Charlie Morton, who is uh, 37 years old, turned back the uh, hands of time a little bit yesterday. Threw seven no-hit innings, ended up going seven and two-thirds inning. Only gave up three hits. He struck out seven. Did not walk anybody. Picked up his sixth victory of the season. Um, I mean, he just looked, uh, and he said he had made a little bit of a tweak in his mechanics, and uh, he said that you know. He, Somebody had pointed it out to him. Uh, he made the adjustment, and uh, it looked really good. He had that no-hitter until Paul Goldschmidt broke it up um, with one out in the eighth inning. Uh, but a good win for the uh, Cardinals last night. Heredia with his third home run of the season for the Braves. I think I said the Cardinals, but Gil Heredia with his third home run. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. went one for two, has the average up to 294 now. Uh, and uh, Freddie Freeman. With two more hits, the, uh, the reigning National League MVP, a guy who has struggled quite a bit early in the season, now hitting just 246, but he is hitting the ball much better of late. He certainly swung the bat well uh, against the Boston Red Sox the other night. That is going to do it for us here this morning. There's a NASCAR race this weekend. They are going to race in Nashville 
this weekend, a place that uh, NASCAR has not been for a long, long time. So uh, uh, they will be in Nashville on Father's Day. That'll be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I know I'll be checking that one out. The Red Sox open up a three-game series at Kansas City starting at 8 o'clock tonight. Um, Look, this is a a series tonight where the Red Sox need to take advantage of a Kansas City Royals team that uh, is struggling. This Royals team has lost six in a row, nine of the last ten. The Red Sox need to go in there and make a statement. They're just a half a game behind Tampa, and uh, after that, 17 games in 17 days against playoff teams. This is a chance for the Red Sox to take a breath and uh, maybe get themselves uh, back in the first place. It would be a great Father's Day present for me if they could do that. So happy Father's Day to uh, all you dads out there. We're going to leave you this morning with some music from the birthday boy. Blake Shelton turns 45 years old today, uh, and we're going to leave you with a song that he did with the Oak Ridge Boys. It's called Doing It the Country Songs. We'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.